What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the, the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space, and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of the iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. It only takes a couple minutes and cannot stress the importance of that enough. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks 
that have already taken the time to leave those reviews. If you're not listening on Apple, just go ahead, click like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. The podcast is on Spotify now. If that is where you dig listening to things, I've also been putting out a monthly playlist, dropping those every first of the month on Spotify. The links for those will be in the episode notes, along with the links for the Dan Cable Presents mugs and t-shirts. Earlier this week, I dropped a playlist episode on Wednesday, which featured three shorter chats with uh, Rosie Turton, killer jazz musician, trombone player, composer from the UK, and chatted with her about her recent EP and the band that she plays in called Neria, and also had Flesh of Morning, a dark wave synth pop duo based in Austin, Texas, and Boston, Massachusetts, not New York. I definitely said that Travis was based out of New York at least once on the podcast, if uh, if not twice, but he's actually in Boston, so that's a really cool project, and uh, also had a couple dudes from Southern California, not too far from where I grew up, Blake and Stuart. And they play in a band called Hand Drawn Maps and chatted it up with them as well. And uh, usually every other Wednesday, I release an episode of I Dig Records, which is a series that's been coming out in this feed for the last year or so. It's my cousin and I usually doing a deep dive on a record. The most recent one we did was the Vince Staples record. But I wanted to shake it up this week and I wanted to do something different. And I've been wanting to find a way to feature some of the artists that I've been putting on those playlists. So I thought it'd be fun to have some shorter chats, kind of radio style with some artists and play some tunes. So uh, I've been having a lot of fun putting those playlists together on the monthly. And I'm trying to fill it with maybe a lot of stuff that's further off the radar that more people don't know about, but also slide in some more popular artists too to shape it out. Trying to keep the genres pretty pretty wide there and put something on there for everyone, but also just display kind of what I've been listening to throughout the month and what's been grabbing me. I think it's uh, it's been good for me. It's It's challenged me to listen to a lot of new music, knowing that I want to put those playlists out. So I get pretty excited every Friday when it's time to see what music came out and doing the digging through the the band camp and the iTunes and Spotify and seeing what pops up in the the new music and it's interesting to kind of see what actually makes it through and connects with me because there's so much music coming out every week and every day with singles being dropped and through my digging a month or so ago I stumbled upon this translucent beauty EP by an artist named Wilby out of Nashville, Tennessee. And this is one of the things that made it through and grabbed me heavy. The title track, which is the opener to the record, is one of my favorite songs of the year and a track I can't get enough of. It, uh, to me, has just one of those undeniable hooks. So it was very cool to have the opportunity to get to chat with Maria, a.k.a. Wilby, about her tunes and how she got hooked into playing music and some of her process. I really just enjoyed a lot of the sentiments behind 
the things that she was saying, and it gave me a lot to think about, especially listening back when I was putting the episode together, because that's often, I think, the first time that I'm getting to listen as just a listener. I'm always trying to stay as present as possible when hosting these conversations, but that can be difficult sometimes when you're also trying to guide a conversation, and uh, it's hard to not get caught up in that at times. But uh, yeah, listening back, putting these things together is uh, often an opportunity to listen with fresh ears and really focus in on the conversation. And this one gave me a lot to think about and really appreciate that Maria gave me some of her time and was willing to to chat with me because I really enjoyed this one and just love this Will Be Project, the Translucent Beauty EP that is available on all the streaming services. The music is so killer. This dude Thad Kopeck produced it with her and I've been checking out his tunes and some of the other music he's produced since then and it's really great. So excited to dive more into that. I'll put the link for Thad and will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with the both of them. Also, hit me with an email or a DM with music you're listening to, artists you want to hear on the show, or stuff you think should be making it on these monthly playlists. Or if you are a musician or artist yourself and you want to submit some music, just uh, send it my way. Always looking for new tunes. All right, we are going to get into my chat with Maria. In just a moment, if you are a Portland, Oregon local, I want to tell you about some free music going on at Produce Row Cafe here in Southeast Portland every Wednesday night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. and every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. These are free shows on the patio of Produce Row, covered areas, so we're all good. Rain or shine, these shows are going to go through the fall and the winter got some heaters out there and just a great place to see some free music they've got great food and drinks as well but uh you know for you folks that maybe aren't ready to be in a crowd of people yet but you are itching to see some music this is a great spot to do it everything from singer songwriters to djs and jazz trios and things of that nature this coming sunday you got nathan earl who's an incredible singer-songwriter and uh, a part of the band The Get Ahead here in Portland. And Wednesday, September 8th, The Yellow Birds, a trio of a few singer-songwriters. On September 12th, we've got former guest of the podcast, David Pollock, playing a set down there at 1 p.m., followed by a DJ set by yours truly. And then special guests will be joining that night as well we're gonna have music from one to five that day that's the portland night market all ages bring the kids the whole fam can come and it's free music so uh produce row cafe website link and instagram handle will be in those episode notes along with my guest for episode 271 will be is on the show we are going to get into this thing hope everybody is doing all right out there and finding ways to keep your head above water, finding some folks that make you feel good about yourself. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. Appreciate you all for checking this thing out. If you're new to the programming here, please go back, check out previous episodes, 
last couple weeks have been with some really amazing singer-songwriters. Suzanne Santo was on last week from Honey Honey, and uh, the week before, Morgan Wade, who's also based out of Nashville. So maybe some more Nashville folks to come. With that, we're going to kick this episode off. We got to do it. We got to gotta play it in with the the first track on that translucent beauty ep which is the title track to the record let's do the damn thing To have the opportunity to chat with you, I uh, found your Translucent Beauty EP and uh, was instantly fell in love with that that title track and uh, is maybe one of my favorite 
songs that I've heard all year and definitely had to go wow. definitely had to go on the playlist and I think if uh, if people have not added this this song to their playlist I think they are they're making mistakes Maria they're fucking up <laughs> thanks for having my back <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um, yeah where where do you uh, where are you from um, I'm from outside of Philly in um, South Jersey. Okay. New Jersey. Um, Jersey has a bad rap, so <laughs> I uh, I come in with the buffer of Philly and then I go Jersey <laughs> with people. Uh, and but I've lived in Nashville for like the last I think going on eight years. Oh wow. I'm counting correctly. Taking some hiatuses out of the, the city, but yeah. Okay. What uh, what lured you out to Nashville? Um, I moved here for school, um, but that was mainly just a way to get my parents on board. Um, and so I came, I came for music, but yeah. Yeah. Did you, uh, start playing music from a pretty young age? Yeah. I grew up playing, um, classical piano actually. Um, and then I bought my first guitar in like middle school, started writing songs. Um, and yeah, kind of have, have been doing it ever since. Yeah. Did it, uh speak to you right away even when you were doing the the classical piano lessons from uh, an early age i definitely fell in love with music once i kind of um found that i could write my own stuff and kind of like i got really into improv um i didn't i hated practicing like classical piano i just couldn't i think that's like any kid's you know relationship with music is like just the the mundaneness of it can get kind of daunting but then my like piano teacher actually like refused to teach me theory so like she didn't want me to like learn chords or anything um for the sake of like not being able to <laughs> like pull up my favorite songs and just spend my time on that but I like taught myself it and then I like was like this is fucking awesome so um like I like could figure out the chords to songs that I heard on the radio and then I like started writing my own stuff from there and just um that's when like it really like resonated with me and was like this is this is awesome yeah did you uh after you started learning some tunes that you actually liked, was it pretty quick though that you wanted to dive in and start writing your your own tunes? Yeah, like, um, and it was first like I th I guess it came like at the same time like song like writing songs that I like that had um, melodies to them like to sing with. But um, I also got really into like composition and like writing more like neoclassical stuff on on the piano. Was it a, a pretty musical household or did your, your parents just kind of want to throw you into an instrument from a young age? Um, yeah, my mom, my mom's very musical, um, but not, I would say not a overall musical household. Um, I come from like a long line of medicine. Uh, like my parents are doctors and yeah. siblings are doctors and all of that. So I'm definitely <laughs> the outcast of the family. <laughs> Did you start kind of uh, curating your own collection of tunes from a pretty young age as well? Like, were you just always listening to music and trying to find new music? Yeah, definitely. I was like um, really into like the emo like phase of like, like for me at least like Dashboard, Dashboard Confessional and like Mayday Parade. That was like, like where I felt seen yeah. <laughs> as like a 14 year old. <laughs> <laughs> white girl in jersey um but 
yeah, yeah. It was uh, definitely like trying to get in. I was like a Tumblr girl without, ha- I never had a Tumblr, but I'm, I was a definition of a Tumblr girl. I'd say. <laughs> yeah. So much of that, that emo and like pop punk seemed to come out of that area too, that you grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. Philly is a big, big scene for that. Um, I don't feel like I was really like, like attuned to that like scene or the music that was coming out of Philly, but definitely, um, it was big there. Yeah. And I remember, uh, I remember seeing that dashboard confessional unplugged for the first time. Yeah. And that was, uh, I was like, Whoa, (laughs) this is crazy. The whole crowd is singing all the words. (laughs) Yeah. There are some there. They had a fan base. They still do. And did you, uh, did you start writing lyrics from a, pretty early on as well um probably like sixth seventh grade um and i think like taylor swift was like that was when you know teardrops on my guitar like came out and um i felt like that was pretty like catastrophic for all the like girls trying to write songs um it's pretty revolutionary for some reason um like her her songwriting and i think she was very dietorical she still is and that was that was what was on the radio and that was you know what was being plugged through our our houses across the nation and so uh yeah it was definitely um i have like realized it now that it was definitely very influential i i love taylor swift i'm not like a diehard swifty swifty (laughs) swifty what are the fans called but yeah but i think i think it was very influential for me yeah it seems that uh as as things unfold it it seems that representation is is just pretty key across the board. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Who else was a big deal for you as far as maybe just sparking your interest in maybe going down this path of writing your own tunes and being a musician? Noah Gunderson was definitely like a huge oh, um, inspiration. I mean, you're you're from Seattle, yeah? Uh, Portland. So Portland, uh, okay. and. I've been here like eight years, but uh, Noah is actually a past guest of the podcast. Oh yeah! Uh, many years ago, I had Noah on. He's he's probably that's amazing. He's probably my favorite songwriter of like yeah. this era, and I don't know that anybody uh, I don't know evokes the same emotion for me personally than than Noah. Yeah, definitely. I um. I like stumbled upon middle of June. Do you know that song? Um, it's like one, it's, I don't need, it's the office first record or is it an EP? Yeah. It's one of the early, I can picture, I can picture the graphic. Um, but that song like destroyed me and I was like, this song is so good. <laughs> and I was like making it for me. Like, this is what I thought back then. And I probably still do making it for me. would just be to open for Noah Gunderson. <laughs> I like, don't, I, I'm not like a diehard like fan anymore. Like, um, yeah, I don't listen to him as much anymore, but he was a huge, huge influence um, when I was younger. Yeah, is there like a uh, is there a go to record for you, uh, just in general, um, from anyone that if you're having if you're having a day, there's just like this record that you put on that that seems to make everything okay. That's kind of stuck with you. Golden Hour by Casey Musgraves is pretty like just iconic at this point. Um, and uh carol king pretty much anything by her i love um and van morrison i'm forgetting like what's his main the one that has like all of his hits on it 
Maybe the, uh, the moon dance one, possibly. Moon dance, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great record. So as far as you playing your, your own tunes and writing, when did you start to get more serious about it? And I know you said that, you know, you went to Nashville for school, but you obviously chose a, a very music heavy city to surround yourself with. Yeah. Um, so I like performed growing up a lot, um, like school functions and like church functions. And then when I moved to Nashville, I like went to Belmont University and I studied music there and um, started my own project officially. Um, you know, it's, it's so like, in the Northeast, like, I don't know, it's like the blue collar cities. Um, there's not as many people like pursuing art. Um, it's just kind of like a, um, it's definitely a privilege to pursue art, I, I felt growing up. Um, and that was something that like, you don't expect to do and you don't see other people doing it. So when I moved to Nashville, it was definitely like, I got so much inspiration and like, there's so much momentum from seeing other people create and like pursue like their art. And so that's definitely what happened to me when I moved to Nashville. Um, I felt like I had the courage to like pursue it head on. Um, and so, yeah, I started a project called Mar and it was very, um, like I would say Noah Gunderson still heavily influenced that project. Um, it was like singer songwriter kind of folky vibe and started playing shows, um, for like, the next four years after that. And then um, about like two years ago after I finished college, I um, took some time in Italy for the year um, just as like a dream of mine. And I came back and I launched, I launched Will Be like coincidentally, like right before the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> this is my pandemic. This was not my pandemic baby because this was premeditated before the, before the pandemic. But yeah. Yeah. Nashville is obviously, you know, a hotbed for music and attracts a lot of musicians. Did you find it pretty difficult to kind of insert yourself into that scene or did it make it a little easier that you were going to school there? Yeah, definitely. Um, way more approachable going to school here. Um, Belmont is, I feel like this is becoming like a Belmont plug, which I, I, I am. Shout out to Belmont <laughs> College. This episode is sponsored by Belmont. Oh God. Um, <laughs> But it like it definitely like brought like a lot of like kinfolk to um to one place and so like like minded people to one place and so like everyone that I played with um I found at Belmont um and got on bills with like other Belmont folks. Um and so it definitely like made moving to a new city like way more approachable. I would say Nashville as a whole is like like the music community is super um, kind and welcoming. I also think it's like way different than New York and LA where people have a bit more of an agenda. And it's not that Nashville, like that people don't have an agenda here, but what I found is like, it's definitely like relationships first. Mm. Like, um, like that's how things come. Um, they're way more like organically, um, and a lot less like just, it takes a lot more time for sure. Um, to build like those relationships with people, but I feel like everyone is super supportive in, in the music scene here. And, um, yeah. Was it, uh, intimidating at all for when you, when you stepped into that scene or were you always pretty comfortable playing your tunes and sharing your tunes with people? I would say it was, it was intimidating because 
of um like what what I was around growing up like just people didn't do that um like I didn't know anyone who was like playing their own music growing up yeah um I didn't know anyone who was like a professional like musician with their own artist um thing going on and so it really wasn't until like I came down here where I saw people like doing it and I was like that's what I want like I've been so unhappy just pretending that I want what other people want um in like my hometown and things like that um so yeah I saw one of your recent Instagram posts and it just said literally do whatever makes you happy (laughs) all right (laughs) yeah yeah it's been like um I feel like I've like I'm coming out into the Nashville scene like for a second time because of the pandemic, like most of this new project has been released during that. And so it's been like a new level of like feeling intimidated, honestly, because like it's just I've been in my house for the last year and a half, you know, and I think a lot of people feel that way, like no matter where you're at. Um, And like, yeah, the, the last like few months I've just been like, really like um just like hit with like a lot of like social anxiety with like the music scene um and like have had to come down to like that like literally all that I can decide to do today is whatever makes me happy yeah um in some kind of like you know safe (laughs) safe bubble (laughs) but um so I'm kind of going back to the basics of just like what gives me inspiration and like what fuels me to be a healthy human yeah, outside of music, what uh, what helps you keep in tune with that stuff? Um, I mean, my relationships. Like, I'm a very like social person, and I think I think often that can get in the way of like my creative side sometimes. But um, and also like another big piece that I haven't been able to explore like with the pandemic is like traveling and like experiencing new places. It's a huge um, piece of inspiration for me. Um, so being able to or not being able to, you know, be social or experience like new cultures and places has been like a big Mm. um, inhibitor to like my creativity. But I recently got back into painting and um, it's been like really awesome for me. Um, I think just like, and I used to paint like growing up as a kid. And so, and then I was like a dancer growing up as well. So like, I think Sometimes I like get frustrated with the people who like try to be every kind of artist that there is. But um, I do think like trying on a different art discipline to just like take the pressure off, you know, and like doing something that makes you happy. Like what we were talking about is really important. Yeah, for sure. And maybe that will inspire some piece of music doing the the visual art. And uh, do you feel like it taps into like a similar emotion or just a similar feeling as, as making music? Um, it definitely like gives me inspiration of just like seeing things more like vividly and like wanting to explore that with painting and like other like avenues of creativity. It definitely like provides me an escapism and, um, like a thoughtlessness to it. Whereas music, um, especially like songwriting, I am, very focused and like at this point and like where I'm where I'm at as a songwriter um I'm like very particular and very I have I pretty much always have an agenda which I'm trying to like balance that but um when I write songs it's hard for me to have like that escapism yeah that makes sense and I'd imagine you're also when you're working on your tunes and 
in the studio, you're probably working with some other people from time to time. So the painting is more of a, a solo adventure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking to, you know, environment really influencing or sparking inspiration, did that year in Italy really kind of inform what you wanted to do musically when you got back? Yeah, I mean, um, when I was in Italy, like, what I felt so, like, prevalently was just that I was, like, so taken care of. Like, I was staying with a host family while I was there, and, um, like, they just, like, took care of me. And then, like, every, like, weird, like, thing that happened to me, like, I, like, traveled, like, so, like, solo for a little bit and I always felt like I was like so taken care of and that's like kind of just like the Italian culture is just like this like host kind of mentality um but yeah I I was staying um with my host family and like they had like a guitar and like I was like so bummed that I couldn't like bring my guitar and like um I spent a lot of time alone while I was there And uh, it definitely, like, gave me fuel to be, like, okay, like, this is what I want to do. And, like, my new project kind of originated there. So I'm still trying to figure out how to do music in Italy. (laughs) Because their their pop culture is, like, 30 years behind ours. And so it's, (laughs) like, yeah, it's very weird. (laughs) Where did the Will Be name come from? Um, it's actually kind of a spinoff. My grand, my paternal grandfather's name. Um, his first name was Wilbur and, uh, he went by Ray, but, um, it was always like a joke that him and I had, like we would play, we would play like cards or something. And like, I would call him Wilbur cause he hated it. And so it was just kind of (laughs) a spinoff that. (laughs) Very cool ode to grandfather. Yeah. And are you usually writing? on guitar at this point or are you writing quite a bit on on the keys too um I prefer to write on the guitar I'm like a lot less skilled on the guitar than um the piano and so I find that um when I like have those limitations um on the instrument that I can like write better melodies generally yeah it's interesting how uh like those types of like constraints or parameters can sort of just force a different creativity yeah definitely and as far as like the production on the translucent beauty ep you have a pretty heavy presence in all of that um yeah i i work with um my friend thad kopek is had produced the ep um and it's pretty much just like us pretty much making it together um my friend zach plays plays drums and percussion on on the ep and um, place for me but yeah it's pretty much the two of us for that ep yeah do you get pretty heavily involved in like the mixing process and really meticulous about those types of things yeah i mean you know you can get so in your head with like the mixing phase of it all um so i have opinions for sure and like um you know but a certain place in the process you just kind of have to like that's where it's really important I think especially for me to like gather other people's perspectives on it um and get other other takes and opinions because especially with your ears like as far as your ears go and what you can like hear um it can get so twisted and um you can hear hear things that aren't there hear things that are there but magnified so that's definitely where I think collaboration is like super important yeah and is it pretty easy for you to hear other people's 
ideas or critiques about the songs you're writing? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely love feedback. I am pretty, um, like particular with, with writing and the writing process. Um, I would, (laughs) I would say most people don't like, not most people, people close to me that I'm like pretty honest about, honest with. And if we're writing for myself, um, I feel like after the write, they're like, okay, we're not doing this again. Like, you know what you want. And like, this is fun. But next time let's, let's just hang out or let's like just write something for me. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> point taken. <laughs> is it just one of those things when you're writing as a tune that you, you know, from the kind of get go, you have this, this vision for the end product of the song and you just really want to see it through. Yeah, I think when it's when it's for me, I it's not necessarily like I know <laughs> this is really funny. It's not that I know what it should be. It's know that I don't want it to be that. You know what I mean? Like it's like I can't tell you what I want, but I know it's not that. <laughs> you know, when we're like thinking about like lyrics, it's like that's not the right word, but I don't know what what is the right word, but <laughs> Yeah. And with are you pretty open with the the lyrics too or do you do you like those to be just all yours and not much input on the lyrical side of things um the lyrical side of things i'm pretty um for my project i'm pretty um opinionated on again i would say where i'm like open to is like um like the musicality of it like the arrangement or um yeah some of the instrumentation pieces of of writing yeah i uh I really appreciate your not only the songwriting but just your vocal delivery on the on certain things like uh thinking about mush just uh certain phrases that you kind of drag out um there's that's that line of I don't want to show it resisted and then when you you hesitate the you win part just like kind mm-hmm. of bleeding into the next phrase just little things like that are are very cool and just Thanks. yeah just the, the whole the whole vibe of the thing of of the whole ep is uh i don't know i was just kind of into the into the whole thing i thought you kind of showed a lot of different dynamic between the four songs and, but all kind of maintain sort of this this bedroom pop vibe Oh, oh, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. 
Hey everybody, just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Muscles and Fritz are on the menu. Their cheeseburger is lights out and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Stoked on the lineup of DJs they've got coming through North 45 this Sunday, September 5th. Got former guests of the podcast, Spinach, will be over there doing a set. September 7th, my buddy Quaz DJ Sunday Blue will be over there. September 14th, Free Tillman and Love Jones will be throwing down the lo-fi beats. So all kinds of good stuff coming up. The North 45 link will be in those episode notes as well. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. And especially, yeah, with with that title track, just got all the Fleetwood Mac vibes with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten like Fleetwood Mac. Um, is it the War on Drugs that people relate that song to? Okay. I I get the War on Drugs and the National like confused in my brain. I don't know why. They're completely different bands. <laughs> I think but, the War um, on Drugs is, is it. It's the War on Drugs. <laughs> um, and then like someone recently wasn't you that sent me this i don't think um someone recently like sent me this uh like they're like i think this is the first note from translucent beauty and it was like some meme and it was just like it was just like this buzzer and it was like (laughs) and it was like the identical note it was hilarious so it's like wow this is i didn't think initially translucent beauty wasn't going to be on the ep really um yeah it was going to be the three ones that were on it and another one. Um, and I just loved the idea of naming the EP Translucent Beauty. Um, I kind of felt like it fit kind of right in the middle of some of the other ones. So as far as like sonically and them- thematically. So Yeah. And uh just really like the the line of just my luck. I'm still here hurting. I'm still here learning how to be seen. It's like this uh this never ending mind fuck. Maria of how to be seen (laughs) or figure out that process yeah yeah I feel like a lot of my like life is just the circle of like I need to be vulnerable I need to be vulnerable because that's the only way that I'll you know make relationships and then the moment that I'm vulnerable I regret it (laughs) and I'm disappointed and then I go back to avoiding and being fake and then I'm like okay no I need to be vulnerable I need to be real it's like when someone like calls you or especially when someone texts you this is my my biggest pet peeve is when someone texts you and they're like hey like how are you and I like dread answering that question and then I finally I'm like I'm actually like not that great like and you go into it and then you don't hear the hear back from them and you're like oh damn it (laughs) and now all of a sudden you're a burden on this other person and they're worried about you in some way yeah yeah, yeah, it's uh, I'm like you just you just wanted to know that I was a you just wanted me to, you to say I was fine, right? So right, why don't you just say I'm thinking about you and leave it at that? Don't ask me. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a weird thing to 
just like you're saying, you know, to, to answer that kind of honestly and, uh, and then just feel like you've been now judged for offering yeah. up this information. And then, yeah, you know, as far as leaning into the vulnerability, I, I feel like for myself, I have to remind myself that that's not everybody else's jam and not everybody yeah. else wants to be vulnerable all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, as far as the the selection of tunes on Translucent Beauty, um, why did you decide to not include Bad on it? Yeah, um, I just kind of felt like um, like sonically, Bad felt like a little bit different, um, and just like as far as time, um, I was pretty distanced from Bad, and kind of just liked it as like a standalone thing. Um, I kind of felt like it spoke for itself and, um, yeah, it just kind of seemed natural to like not include it on the EP. Yeah. Was that sort of the, the introduction to the, the will be project? Yeah, that was the first single. And then probably realistically, like if the pandemic hadn't started, like it would have been with the, the rest of the songs, but our like production got like postponed for the EP because of the pandemic so everything kind of got pushed back so i i felt like it i definitely always felt like bad was was the intro intro one-on-one to to will be so about how to perform this this music live since it was all kind of created during or right before the pandemic yeah um that's something that um we're kind of fooling around with now um i definitely want to get back to playing shows live i think um for me like i am always challenging myself to take my time with both like releasing music and uh playing live i think right now with like the pandemic or like pseudo post pandemic world that we're in, it's like really easy to like rush to everything. And so I'm just trying to not like live out of fear or insecurities of like getting back into playing live, but just taking my time with it. So yeah, working out the arrangements for that. Cause there's a lot of like drum machines and like synth stuff and like stuff that um, like, I don't really want to, translate into live shows um i want it to be like a live live show yeah um so yeah as far as all the uh you know stuff like the drum machines is that is that kind of production stuff that that you'll mess with at home and are you kind of building songs like in the box kind of just off a drum loop sometimes for yourself um i've like done that like once or twice but that's not how any any of my writing process has been really thus far 
And honestly, probably like moving forward, like I'll probably be pulling more away from that and get kind of less bedroom pop, so to speak, and kind of more authentic instruments again, kind of like right in the pocket of kind of indie rock versus bedroom pop or what have you. And are you personally playing anything besides guitar and keys at this point? Um, as far as on, on my project or, or just like in general with, I don't know, with the new stuff that maybe that you're writing, are you tinkering around with any other instruments or software even? Pretty much just, yeah. Piano and, and, uh, guitar, keys and guitar, my, my two that I write from. Yeah. Pronoun. Might change. (laughs) As far as that, that patience you were talking about to, you know, release music or, and, and play live. Is that something that's come with time for you and kind of just really you know fully realizing your visions for things and wanting them to to be that way instead of rushed yeah I think like um especially just yeah again in the world that we live in right now it's it's really easy to want to release like perpetual perpetual song after song or project after project and um like, first of all, that's not like sustainable for most independent artists, like making music costs money. If you didn't know <laughs> to our listeners, um, <laughs> it doesn't have to, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I think like um, I think there's like an insecure, a little bit of an insecurity of that, of like the constant release. Um, and and there is a security that can be found in you know, assurance of what you have out is good and working diligently, but taking your time again with what you release next. Um, I think it's like what everyone wants is it to be released day every day. You know, it's like your birthday. It's like, you know, like you just, you get affirmation and you get, you know, um, and I like love to be the center of attention. So like, it's great, (laughs) but (laughs) it's like, it's like if that's the goal is just pursuing like releasing music, then that's like gonna leave me empty at some point. So, yeah. Yeah. And I guess there's also, I mean, especially during, you know, the pandemic, it's like maybe you get scared that you're going to get forgotten about really quickly because so, so much yeah. music is coming out. So you feel that pressure to right. keep putting things yeah. out into the world so that you remain relevant somehow. And it's like, yeah, hopefully those people will just be there when it's time for me to put this music out. Yeah, but I mean, like, like Lord just released like her third studio album, and it's phenomenal. And everyone's been like, everyone forgot about Lord, yeah. and now it's like she's blowing up again. Um, and I like really, really admire those artists. And like, yeah, it's easy for your for you to do when you like are Lord or you're, you know, any pop star, but. Um, I think it's really important. Yeah, I pr- I appreciate that too. Just you know, someone of that stature to just be like, no, I'm not ready to release music. Or I recently did uh, the deep dive on this Steely Dan Asia record, and my cousin and I were talking about that and just going through and doing research, and just kind of found out that after their second studio album, even though they were a band for twenty plus years after it they decided that they didn't like playing live shows so they just weren't going to play <laughs> any any live shows that was not what <laughs> steely dan was about and it's just like oh that's cool because 
I mean, if you told somebody that you were going to do that, they would just be like, you're fucking crazy. You can't just yeah. be a musician and not play your music. Yeah. I think it's like really important and something that I have to remind myself with as like an independent artist. But even if I were to ever have to report to a label or something like you make your own rules up and like not everyone has to play by the same rules. Like, I think that's really important. Yeah. And especially now when you can distribute and put out your music on your own and kind of do it on your your own timeline, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to put those additional pressures on yourself to do shit that you don't want to do. It goes against your, your mantra, Maria, of literally do what makes you happy. (laughs) do what makes you happy yeah but and it's just interesting because like especially like music biz people will like tell you that it has to go one way and it doesn't yeah (laughs) it just doesn't and like that's something that like I am slowly like building more power in myself with is just like I need to just follow my intuition I think every artist's intuition is their greatest asset and I make my own choices and my own rules that I'm going to play by. And I think that's important for everyone to, to do for themselves. Yeah. And hopefully as you get older, that becomes easier to stay rooted in what you believe in and your vision for things and setting those boundaries. Yeah, for sure. Is Joanna you, or is it a character? Good question. Um, Joanna is, um, my maternal grandmother. Okay. I lost, um, last year, my, my maternal grandmother and my paternal grandfather. So Wilbur and, and Joanna, they both passed, um, last year and Joanna is kind of about her. Um, but it also became, it kind of evolved into just like this idea of the women that like shape women that shape you or like people that shape you in your life and um wanting to be with that person but also like acknowledging how they how they made you um so in that song like there's like a verse that talks about like a ladder of women and so I read in some book that I was reading when I was writing the song this this quote about a ladder of of women holding each other up and like you know the oldest generations are at the bottom and then you're at the top and Mm. it's this ladder so yeah, it kind of evolved into just like this. I wanted it to be relatable. I also wanted it to be a mystery kind of of a song Yeah. of like, I know what this song is about. And like, there's moments where like, it, it is like super vulnerable, probably more vulnerable than like, I kind of want Wilby to be in song in like the songwriting piece of it. It's a lot of, there's a lot of little secret nuggets in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I appreciate uh, the lyrics throughout the the whole project of just maintaining a lot of that mystery like yeah i don't feel like anything is super straightforward all the time you know it seems like there's there's something deeper between the the lines i guess um and also just i don't know i really dig the the hook on joanna and just kind of what you did with maybe like that that playful rhyme scheme
easy for you to write outside of your own personal experience and maybe write from a character's point of view or somebody else's point of view? Yeah, I think it's like a really good like discipline. I think like giving parameters and um, like giving parameters in all sorts of aspects, like giving yourself a parameter parameter and like the rhyme scheme, giving yourself a time parameter of like, okay, I need, I'm going to write this song in an hour, um, giving it um, a parameter of like nothing ha- can be relatable, but it needs to come off like a story that could be personal you don't know like those things are super helpful and like really good like ways just to explore writing and like hum like your writing craft at least it is for me so um I like personally love I kind of developed this in writing Joanna and like a, a few other songs that I wrote like in the peak of the pandemic where I was like lost like family members like including including my grandmother there was so much shit going on in the world and so much like panic and fear and I was like feeling so much and I like don't like to like address my feelings or like really process what I'm going through at the time but what I like developed in like those few months of like that was like ultimate lockdown in like the U.S. um, and the world was just to like create a song that like resonated with what I was feeling, but didn't talk about anything that I was feeling, mm. you know? And so um, that was like really like catastrophic in like what I knew as far as writing and how I could do it. That was really cool of like, you know, bringing and feeling your feeling without having to explore it yet. Mm. Cause you know, you need to take time with processing. People are good at process. Some people are good at processing like immediately when things happen. I think most of us aren't, but be able, being able to like use that feeling that you have in that moment to like fuel your writing process while also like kind of using this more logical side of your brain. Yeah. It's easy. If any of that makes sense. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> that makes great sense, especially for me as a person, just, uh, yeah, it's easy. It's easy for me to want to like act on those those first emotions, you know, reacting to a situation, and it always feels a lot better taking the time to process it before expressing how I feel about it. Is it always seems to be mm-hmm. pretty beneficial. So yeah, I can see how that could uh, play well into the the writing process for sure, and also I just think it's. You know, it's interesting to kind of go back and, and see what you were feeling in those moments. And you kind of have these songs to to document that in some way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Outside of like the writing and production process, being that you are a, a visual person as well as far as art, is it uh, are you usually thinking about kind of the whole aesthetic of of the project, too, and really leaning into things like photo shoots and the album art. Yeah, I am. I'm almost like a little not obsessive, but like I can't let ideas go in my head. So like with a lot of songs that I write, like I instantly know what I want the colors to be. And like um, I instantly like have very like strong um, like intuition on on kind of the whole aesthetic that you're talking about. And so um, like that happened with like every song on the EP. Um, 
And it's like almost like I can't let it go. So like if it should change or like if ever anyone told me that like it can't be that, I would like I'd be like, well, then I can't release the music. (laughs) I'm a little bit of a diva with that stuff. (laughs) Um, And like the same thing with like every like I have pretty much a video out for every song. And like it's only because I couldn't let it go. Like I don't I am, you know, I'm a small independent artist. Like I don't need a video for each song, but it's literally because I can't let it go in my head. It's like, no, like it has to has I have to just I have to see this through. Um, And so like that's what happened, like the mush video and like just everything. It was like, I had a very clear image of what I wanted and needed it to be. Yeah. That you find all that super fun kind of, uh, flushing out all those ideas as well. Yeah. It's fun. Like, again, like I'm referencing like the mesh video It was just like super fun. Cause like the song has like so many layers to it of like this, like, you know, um, like, over like lovey-doveyness and then this like melodrama and like all of these things that I think are like very like much me but also I think very like universal as as far as it goes and so just like yeah shooting that video was really fun and like the the album art for that like I kind of um like creatively direct and like shot some of the film photos for that and so yeah I gotta imagine that gives you just more of an attachment to your whole project too when you're kind of diving deep into song by song like that yeah for sure are you playing much with other people in their projects or doing co-writes with other folks i'm i mean obviously not playing a bunch of live music over the last year but yeah um i write with a lot of other people that's primarily um what i do um yeah, I don't, I don't really play on any projects, other people's projects, just because um, I kind of got a lot of my own stuff going on, but it's not something that I wouldn't be open to, but um, yeah, I stay pretty, pretty busy with my own, my own little baby, but. Yeah. Do you feel like at least writing with other people for their tunes helps inform what you do in the future in some ways? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think I have like decent confidence in like my my writing abilities um and I definitely like love a like I love songwriting for other people or like co-writing for other people um I don't generally do co-writes for like my own project um mush was like the first good experience writing something um for Willby um and that was like a very particular kind of almost happenstance event um with my friend Thad Cockrell Right on. Well, I love your music, and you have maintained the Nashville reputation of just nice folks coming onto the podcast. <laughs> I've had a, a handful of people from Nashville over over the years on the show, and uh, yeah, super glad that we were able to to connect and uh, take some time to to chat it's always nice to get a sense of who's making this music that i enjoy so yeah yeah hope to live up to the <laughs> the expectation there was no expectation no <laughs> expectation. i love to get that <laughs> um i was already i was already won over by your tunes so the cool. rest is cool. all <laughs> just extra this is this Sweet. is the fun part <laughs> 
Um, I want to play the episode out with the last track on the EP, which is called Naive. And um, I dug this one just because it felt like it was a little more raw and, you know, even though it's got some some production on it, it seems like it kind of maintained the, the bare bones of the tune a bit. Yeah. Was it important that you had something on the record that felt a little bit stripped down? Yeah, I think um, naive is like the most, like my natural in my me and my natural state when I'm writing. Um, it's very like intuitive and kind of free form. Um, so yeah, a little bit more sad, which is probably my natural state as well as far as writing. Yeah, um, that I try to avoid in my <laughs> adult years, but yeah. I like, like that. My inner it, child. <laughs> I like that it's like this slow bummer jam, and then you kind of like defy that a bit with the lyrics that you're singing. As far as like, I'm the life of the party, <laughs> and it's just yeah, like, yeah. That is it's the, just like the whole song is just funny. Like when it released, my dad, who like I love him, but doesn't always like get me, was like, "You are sweet," and I'm like, "You don't understand the cynicism in the song." <laughs> Like you completely missed the mark, but that just fuels my flame. It's fine. <laughs> I uh I the cynicism was delivered loud and clear to me. So I I, cool. appreciate I feel that like it's lot. pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just yeah, I think that's such a great juxtaposition though. Just like the bummer jam with the the life of the party line and all the other <laughs> cynicism that you're speaking about. For sure. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for giving me some of your time and and chatting it up with me we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program and it means nothing it's just the way that my grandfather says the news program he always says program so it's just like a goofy way to end the show and you can do it however you would like it's a program she nailed it everybody that's Maria, <laughs> aka Will Be. You can find her music on all of the streaming services. And uh, we there's a Bandcamp Friday coming up. I think this might come out on yeah. on a first a Help first Friday. So uh, <laughs> definitely buy on Bandcamp if you're gonna support financially. But you know, add add the tunes to your playlist. I'll put all the links in the episode notes so you can keep up with Maria and the music that that she's making and uh yeah again appreciate your time thanks for jumping on with me and, thanks so much for uh, having me absolutely we're gonna play it out with naive off the translucent beauty ep which is such a great collection of tunes and that is the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland nashville wherever you're listening from i spend all my morning Talking to myself The conversation gets boring Without anyone else Do you think I'm crazy? Do you think I'm sweet? Do you think it's easy?
Big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up. Stay tuned. <laughs> 